0: Hey gamers, this is Joe, from what I'm playing now, and I have episode 126 of the podcast that was originally recorded on August 13th of 2016. Some of the games I played for the week. A little card game I picked up at Gen Con called Bloodborne the Card Game. A little game that one of my buddies picked up at Gen Con called Toluva, we played the Deluxe version. Another game picked up by another friend at Gen Con via Nebula. I played a little No Man's Sky, which was just released, and we also had the Twitch stream live this week, and then I also talked about a few of the games that I want to play. Enjoy the episode. Hey gamers, welcome to the games. This is Joe Luzzi from What I'm Playing Now with another episode of the What I'm Playing Now podcast. Thank you for joining me for another episode. As always, you can find me through email just send me some emails at what I'm playing now at gmail.com. You can join us in some conversations on our board game geek guild. We are guild number two, four, four, zero. What I'm playing now is our guild name. Twitter is at what I'm playing now. Don't forget to drop the G. Like I always say on Facebook, Facebook, You can just do a search for What I'm Playing Now. Our Google Plus page is plus.google.com slash the plus sign What I'm Playing Now podcast. And then, of course, our Twitch channel is twitch.tv slash What I'm Playing Now. And I actually had the Twitch channel live last night playing a little No Man's Sky, which we will talk about a little later. Let's get to a couple of the board games we played this past week under the What I'm Playing Now part of the show. One of the first games I played when I went down to my local game store, this Thursday and met up with a couple of guys. We sat down and tried one of my nice little games that I was able to pick up at Gen Con called Bloodborne the Card Game. This is a card game from Cool Media or Not. It is designed by Eric Lang. We all know him from Blood Rage and Dice Masters and all the other great games that he's put out. Bloodborne is based on the PlayStation 4 video game where you're basically trying to just go through and beat huge monster characters that will probably kill you repeatedly until you figure out how to kill them, and the games are just brutal. Bloodborne the Card Game reminded me a little bit of the video game, but I will say not that much. Considering you have to play with three to five players, the box that I had had stickers, over the 2 to 5 player part. So originally I think the game was being created for 2 to 5 players, but I guess there are with the way the mechanics go and after playing it this one time, I can see why you probably don't want to play with two players. It just you could probably do it with two players, but it just isn't going to be as fun as if you play it with three players and we had four players playing it. It's a pretty easy game to actually pick up on. Each player is going to start out with a hand of five cards. Every player starts out with the same five cards, actually. On your turn, what you're going to do is you're going to secretly pick a card, put that down in front of you. Everybody will do the same. All cards will be revealed at the same time. And in front of you, there will be a stack of monsters and then the final boss that you are going to try to defeat. What you're trying to do is you're trying to work your way through all of the monster cards that are in a nice little deck there next to that boss character, next to that final boss. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to collect Blood Echoes, which just like in the actual video game, are kind of like a currency, and this is your victory points for the game. So you can play a card that will let you do damage to the character, either melee or ranged. You can play a card which is called Transform, which will actually let you see what other cards your opponents are playing. And then you will then get to play a card after that, play a melee or a ranged card. A lot of the ranged cards will have an instant effect to them, be it damage or some other type of ability. There are also cards then that you will able to that you're going to be able to kind of purchase, I guess, when you play a card called the Hunter's Dream, which basically takes you out for the round, it lets you heal your life points back up, it lets you return cards to your hand, and then it also lets you upgrade one of the cards that are in your hand to one of the available cards that are out on the table. And the cards actually get very nice. These cards will essentially do more damage. There's Molotov Cocktails, whole different, just a lot of different cards that you can upgrade your initial hand to. The only card you can never upgrade, actually, is that Hunter's Dream card. And essentially, you're going to kind of be doing this over and over again as you play through that monster deck and try to kill them all. If you are successful in attacking the monster and doing damage to it, and everybody kind of participated together and worked cooperatively, which is kind of interesting for this game. If you're able to kill the monster, you will then get some additional um, victory points by moving a couple of little discs on your tableau in front of you, up a couple of different tracks based on the type that the monster has that's matching him. Each monster in the lower right-hand corner has a different icon that's there, one of three that you have on your tableau. And additionally, what these are essentially are just additional victory points that will get added to your Blood Echoes at the end of the game. Now, the, the interesting part of this game is, and we didn't do it probably for the first two fights And the first two rounds, we were playing cards, and that's basically having a lot of the table talk. Essentially, the first two rounds that we kind of played, we were all quiet. We were just playing a card and everything, and then I said, I looked at everybody, and I said, I think we're actually supposed to be talking a little bit more and trying to bluff each other a little bit, trying to maybe let others know what we're possibly going to do, and then either do that or not do that based on our strategy and and the health of our opponents, and if we're trying to essentially maybe kill someone if they haven't banked their Blood Echoes, because when you do play that Hunter's that hunter's Dream card, you actually get to bank the Blood Echoes that you have collected so far, and any banked Blood Echoes you then can, you know, get in your bank can never be taken from you when you die. If you don't have those Blood Echoes banked when you do die, you will lose those, and I think everybody at our table died at least once, I would say, I think during the game if not twice. I know I died a couple of times and it's just it's it's almost inevitable, especially early on. We actually ran into several of the boss characters that were in that monster deck and they are a little stronger. They give you more points if you're if you can actually eliminate them and kill them, but they are they do have a lot more hit points. And the the interesting thing was the final boss card that is selected which you set in the middle of the table, does have an effect on the overall game. Each different final boss has an ability that will affect pretty much the whole game from beginning to end. And ours, our final boss essentially made the monster stronger by giving them two extra blood echoes as health. So it was essentially just harder to kill him. So if we flipped over a card that had... 13 health, essentially with that final boss that we had, they had 15 health. So it was 15 blood echoes that you had available to you to, for everybody at the table to kind of collect and obtain. But if you didn't, if you weren't able to collect and obtain all those blood echoes and kill the monster, he just runs away. He, you don't get the, uh, the extra points that are available on his card, but You don't have to fight him again, unlike the final boss, which you do have to kill. And I think it took us two rounds to kill the final boss that we had because they just have so many points. Unless if you have really collected and beefed up your hand by being able to do a lot of damage, which I don't think we really had during this game, uh, you're really going to have a hard time killing that final boss in just one round. So the final boss does come back for a second round, even a third or more, if you can't kill him. And he does stay around until... Pretty much one of you is dead, and since you can keep coming back, you're pretty much going to try to just kill him until he's gone. So, Bloodborne, I had a good time with the game. I'd like to play it a couple of more times. Like I said, after the first couple of cards, the first couple of rounds, we actually had a little bit more table talk. We started talking about how we were going to play our cards, what cards we were playing, when somebody said they were going to do something and then maybe played... Uh, A different card, we all sat there and we're like, oh, you know, why'd you do that and everything, you know, but, and that's, I think that's the fun part of the game where the bluffing component comes into it and where you're almost trying to, I hate to say, screw your neighbor, but that's, that's the interesting part of the game the card game itself is is fairly simple when the monsters are attacking during their round each monster has a different color on the bottom of their card which is one of three different co- colored dice red yellow and green green being the easiest yellow being the middle and red being the hardest the red die definitely does do some more damage if there is a little kind of like plus symbol on the die when you roll you continue rolling that die over and over again until you do not get the plus symbol anymore and you just total all of those numbers together and there was one round where I took a a lot of damage and that's where you know the die rolling and and the randomness of that comes into effect but so far I will say for the first time playing Bloodborne I liked it it's a game I want to see hit the table again and I'd kind of like to maybe try it with five players and see you know how it plays with five I'd actually like to try it with three definitely am not even going to attempt to try it with two I was already telling this to my wife. I just don't think, like I was saying earlier, I don't think this game would just kind of hold up to the bluffing component with just two people. And with just two people, you're not going to be able to defeat these monsters by at the start of the game. You're probably going to go through halfway through that monster deck before you actually are able to probably kill your first monster, because neither of you are going to have the cards in your hand where you're going to be able to just produce that much damage in one turn. So I can definitely see why this was changed from a two to three player game. It would have been nice if they could have possibly... Tame down the monsters or maybe had a separate monster deck that was just maybe a little easier for two people but then that whole bluffing component wouldn't be there so three to five seems to be the best for this game and it seems like that's why they made that change for it so bloodborne a game that you may have some trouble getting to the table right now because i picked mine up at the gen con and i don't think it's going to be available possibly for another couple months but one that you definitely should try to get to the table once it does become available Then the next game that we played, a little game called Toluva. I had heard about this game when I was out at Gen Con. One of my buddies, when we were eating dinner the one night, said that he was actually doing a trade for this game. He was picking up the Toluva Deluxe version at Gen Con from somebody, and this was a game he paid a, a nice pretty penny for. It was a Kickstarter, and the Deluxe version, I will say, the components are quite spectacular. Wow. The tiles that you're going to be placing down on the table are probably a good quarter, or probably a good half-inch thick, I would say, between a quarter and a half-inch thick, and they are just very, very chunky tiles. The components themselves, you're going to start off with a couple of different towers, some palaces, and then some smaller village huts. All the wooden components in this game look gorgeous. If you're looking for a very good-looking game to play, Tuluva definitely should be on your list to be looking at in the deluxe version if you can find it for a decent price. I would definitely say pick it up. So how is this game played? What's going to happen is everybody's going to start out with a tableau in front of them, which is going to have, like I said, um, a bunch of wooden components on there, which which are basically trying to place tiles and then expand your civilization into different parts. You're going to try to either expand your initial layout of tokens or try to start a new civilization on a tile on a different on a different tile that's on the board in front of you guys on your turn you can do one of a couple of things you can either place one of your tokens next to a current location or you can do what's called expanding where if there are a couple of let's say maybe forest tiles surrounding one of your current civilizations you can expand to multiple locations rather than trying to just maybe build a new one by just placing one down on another part of the board. You're also going to be building up besides placing tiles next to each other. So there's volcanoes on pictures on these tiles and when you're placing a volcano tile on top of another one you need to make sure that the volcano is going to be arranged in a position to where it will be pointing in a different direction that the one that's underneath it. So you really need to pay attention when you're placing the tiles on top of each other and that you're placing the volcanoes properly. And it can get to be very tricky when you're trying to build up to the second and third levels of this game, because that's basically where you're going to be able to place your temples and then your final larger tokens that are going to win you the game. What you're trying to do is you're trying to get rid of two of the type of wooden tokens that you have in front of you and that will then signify in the game if you can't actually place a tile or one of your wooden components during your turn i believe your turn's basically over and from my understanding you're out of the game so that actually didn't happen to us i actually came very close to winning this one i was one turn away one of the other guys played a one of his temples right before i could get out my final last building to where i could have won and so it was a very close game i had a really i had a good time with this one there's a lot of strategy in this game because when you're actually placing down your tiles on top of other ones if there are some of your own or your opponent's civilizations under them and some of the wooden tokens there you can actually eliminate them now the only time you can't eliminate them Or yourself is if it would basically destroy all of that civilization and all of those, all of that cluster of buildings that are together on different tiles. So you have to have at least one left of somebody, whoever, you know, whoever had played there, they have to have at least one left after placing a tile on top of there. So like I said, the game looks great. I thought the gameplay was very good as well. This is a game I definitely like to see at the table again. I think there's a lot of different strategies you can do and take in this game, especially since our first game was kind of a learning game and we were trying to just figure out how tile placement was working and how you were trying to build on top of each other. And somehow I had set one of my starter tokens in the center of the board and we somehow built around it to where... Building some of the initial second tiles for the volcanoes was extremely difficult because we kind of had to just build out from the lower part of the board first before we could start really getting a good second a second level going and then a third level as well. So a lot of strategy in this one. Great components to Luva. Definitely check this one out. And then another Gen Con purchase I believe that one of the guys that were playing at our table had then pulled out was a little game called Via Nebula. This I would say is kind of a worker placement game. It also has some tile placement um, component to it. You're doing some resource collecting and there is just a lot going on in this one. You're going for victory points in this one as well. And you're going to get those victory points by placing your workers on different parts of the board that will have a disc on there. And these little discs can have resources. Some of them will just let you put the resources on the board and you get to take the token. Some of them will actually have, let's put the resources on the board and then have a victory point on them as well, either one or two victory points. And the resources then can be used by anybody. And on your turn, you can do multiple things. You have four or five stacks of tiles in front of you that can cover up Parts of the board that are currently kind of like a fog of war, if you're used to maybe like a real-time strategy game on the computer or playing any types of those, there's kind of like clouds covering up a majority of the board, and what you're trying to do is with the tiles you have in front of you, you're going to try to cover up those clouds and actually make pathways between different locations on the board so you can move resources from the resource points that they are started on to different building sites, and you have different crane tokens that you're going to put on the board, these will be your building sites. As you're moving resources to them, what you're trying to do is you're trying to complete cards that are either on the table or in front of you that will then give you the victory points. So when you complete a card, you can turn it upside down in front of you. At the end of the game, you're going to look at all your cards, as well as those tokens that you had taken from the resources, as well as how many of the green tile tokens that you have gone through, how many of the columns you've actually depleted, because for each column you deplete, you will get a couple of victory points for that as well. Total up all those points, and at the end of the game, you're going to see who wins There's a lot of different resources in this game, and the board, this is another game that does, I will say, look really good, and it has a lot, just a lot of different components to it. Like I said, you have the worker placement, you have tile placement, you have resource collecting, you have, then you're trying to use those resources to purchase cards, which are your victory points. So a lot going on in this game, looks really great, and I really enjoyed that one as well. So Via Nebula, another game that if you can find this game in your local game, store, definitely one to check out and get to the table and one that you will really enjoy. All right, we're going to jump over to a little video game. I Like I said at the top of the show, I actually had my Twitch stream running last night. I may actually have it running tonight as well. Last night I was playing No Man's Sky. I kind of wanted to start streaming and recording my first playthrough of No Man's Sky from the beginning of the game to see how it will play. I will say that the game was running rather slowly i guess we could say the frame rate was kind of taking a big hit i think i think they did put in a patch today which was supposedly which is supposed to fix a few things um it was running actually a little better i believe today from what i can tell but um no man's sky is definitely quite different than what I thought it was going to be. In playing the game, I keep thinking of Elite Dangerous since I've actually spent quite a bit of time with Elite Dangerous, and I actually wish I would get to have a chance to spend more time with Elite Dangerous, but this seems like an arcadey version of what Elite is trying, you know, is what the Elite game actually is. It's, Elite is definitely much more of a simulation type of game where, to me, No Man's Sky is definitely more arcade-like. I believe you can die in No Man's Sky because I have been attacked by several different types of androids and stuff and robot-type characters. But in its essence, No Man's Sky is essentially just a resource collection and exploration-type game. And I was trying to explain it to my wife last night, and she was kind of just sitting there and just shaking her head, thinking, And you like this type of game? Because this normally isn't the type of game where I like. I think I like Elite more. Mainly because there's just so much more meat and so much more strategy to Elite, and there's just there's just more to it. With No Man's Sky, you're essentially just walking around in playing like a glorified version almost of Minecraft by collecting the resources. There's so much that you can craft in the game, and I will say the game does look really nice. Uh, The graphics in No Man's Sky are definitely really sharp. The planets that I've run to in probably the four to five hours that I've played so far are definitely all different, and I mean, they're, they're extremely different. There was one planet which was just barren and completely desolate. There was one that had just a lot of different creatures walking around on it and then being able to explore them and you know find them was rather interesting there was one planet that was just a torrential downpour of rain constantly and just completely stormy which was rather interesting at first i was just playing with the default ship even though i had done the pre-order and i had the actual pre-order ship available to me i wanted to play part of the game with just the initial ship without having to use that pre-order ship. But finally, it just got to the point where I just wanted a few more resource slots because it just seems inventory slots at the beginning of this game are very, very limited. And what you're trying to collect and the different things you're trying to build, you really have to be very selective with the resources that you're actually keeping either on your on your character or that you can transfer back to your ship. But then the trick is you have to be within a certain distance of your ship to be able to transfer to and from your ship which I did not realize at first and I had run very far away from my ship collecting tons of resources and I tried to transfer things back to the ship and it says you're too far away and I was like oh crap I am completely full and I don't even know what I need right now so I kind of started keeping items that would let me recharge basically my life suit as well as make sure that I have enough to refuel my ship Those are the two main things that I wanted to try to keep around. Some other things I basically just dropped and got rid of. But No Man's Sky I'm going to have to spend some more time with to actually see how I really feel about the game. I've tried to avoid podcasts and different videos and everything about the game so far. The tutorial for the game, I will say, is kind of rather janky. Um, Four to five hours in, I still feel like I'm getting a lot of, there's tutorial things being thrown at me that probably should have just been easily covered within the first hour of the game but the way the game flows it just seemed that some of these things just didn't come up till I started doing different things and I kind of just started doing things on my own and figuring things out and by the time they actually teach you some of these things I pretty much already knew most of those things as far as crafting and how to do things already anyway so I was kind of disappointed with the way the tutorial started out and I think that kind of made the game just a little bit more difficult than it really needed to be at the beginning. I think if they would have spent a little bit more time tweaking that tutorial, making it a little bit more refined, making it a little bit more streamlined, and kind of helped people along a little bit better, I think some of these mixed reviews that are being seen on Steam right now Possibly would have been a little bit better. I think a lot of these mixed reviews, though, are people just complaining that the game just doesn't run good, even on very, very good hardware. And I have middle of the road hardware. I do have a GTX 970 card, which is beefy enough. My CPU definitely seems to be able to handle the game, and the 970 can handle it as well. But there's a lot of people out there who are just having some problems running the game, crashing, and just a lot of issues on the PC right now. So. I believe that this game might have been rushed, even though that they had actually delayed it, like we had stated in previous podcasts before. So I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of updates for this game coming out very quickly and hopefully very in the very near future. It also sounds like they have some larger ideas for the game and other things that they want to add into it, which really, after they mention these things, they probably should have been in there from day one. So... I can't say that I'm disappointed that I spent $60 on the game. I definitely think that this probably should have been more of a 30 to $40 game than a $60 game. I know that Sony got behind them and they were trying to really push this game and build up a lot of the hype around it, but it's definitely more of an indie-style game, which deserved a definitely more of an indie-style price. Alright, so those are the games I played for the week. Let's jump over to a few of the things that I want to play. I started reading some of the instructions and rules for Food Chain Magnate. I've gone through some of this game. Food Chain Magnate doesn't seem like it's too difficult to learn. But from everything that I'm reading about it, the deep strategy within this game is what makes it such a heavy game. My wife and I actually watched Rado's run through the other night, and she's even very interested in playing Food Chain Magnate since she is a waitress. I think she will possibly be very good at this game, and probably this will be another game where she pretty much kicks my ass in playing. But I'm gonna give it the college, good old college try when we're playing it. So Food Chain Magnate is a game I'm hoping we can possibly start getting to the table this coming week. We also are in the process of playing some more of the Mystic, the game Mystic Veil, and I'll probably be giving a good review of that one after we play through it a couple more times this weekend and, and this coming week as well. So next week, probably you will see a nice review on the podcast for that, and we may even be recording a playthrough video of that game as well between me with me and my wife. Another game that I'm interested in playing is Arkham Horror, the card game. I've heard a couple of things about that game popping up on Board Game Geek and their hotness right now. And the more I read about this game, the more I'm interested in it. I have been interested in playing a living card game now for a while. I thought about jumping into the Call of Cthulhu card game, but when I heard that they were pretty much ending that one, I didn't want to have to go back through and try to find all of the old expansions to the game, especially with it kind of being discontinued now. I figured that might be hard. I wanted to jump into one of the living card games from the beginning, from when it first came out. And since this is I think one of the newer living card games that Fantasy Flight's actually releasing, I think Arkham Horror will definitely be a great one to jump into right from the very beginning. So that's it. Those are the games I played for the week, and those are the games that I want to play. As always, send me some emails, let me know what you're playing now. You can send those emails to what I'm playing now at gmail.com. You can also join us in some conversations in our board game geek guild. We are Guild Number 2440 on Twitter. You can follow me at What I'm Playing Now. On Facebook, just do a search for What I'm Playing Now. Our Google Plus page is plus.google.com slash the plus sign What I'm Playing Now podcast. And then, as always, our Twitch channel is twitch.tv slash What I'm Playing Now, which may be live tonight with a little bit of Dead by Daylight, which I will then talk about next week as well. But until then, everybody knows what they need to do. Everybody needs to get out there, go play some games, and then let me know what you're playing now. Hey, thanks for joining me this week, everybody. Have a great week, and we will see you later. Bye-bye.